What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode at the Fitness Oracle. Today, we sit down with Hillary Beckwith from Well Roots Living. Hillary is a nutritional therapy practitioner, board certified in holistic nutrition by the National Association of Nutrition Professionals. She believes that understanding our body's unique abilities, chemical makeup, and health needs is crucial to effectively addressing health when whether you're trying to live a generally healthy lifestyle or trying to address specific symptoms or illnesses. After many years of battling her own health issues, including PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome, hypoglycemia, anxiety, disorder e disordered eating, infertility, chronic pain, and adult acne, and feeling like she'd been failing by her health care providers multiple times, she decided to formally study nutrition with the intention of helping others like her. She started Well Roots in 2021, a private practice that provides nutritional therapy, helping them grow intuition and advocating for their health. Prior to starting Well Roots, Hillary had a substantial career of 20 years working in physical medicine, helping people combat inflammation and provide tissue healing, as well as nutrition, education, and coaching. Guys, this is a interest. This is a really good podcast that we uh, that I had a really great uh, guest with. <clears throat> she provides a ton of value to to this when it comes to um, eating eating habits, um, the dangers of of one size fits all diets, uh, nutrition and anxiety and the connection between them, nutrition and um, chronic pain. Uh, we talked about what PCOS and fertility issues and how the men, uh, the men in women's life can actually help support the women in it. And the most important part that we talked about was the concept of feeding your soul. And it's a really uh, it's a really great, it's a really great podcast. We talk a lot about food. We talk a lot about the effects of food when it comes to your mental health, when it comes to eating as a community and what it really, uh, the, the effects of that and how to go about it. So grab a pen and paper, grab your cup of Joe and enjoy the show. Hillary, welcome to the show. Hi. How is Seattle and how are the Kraken doing? You're talking to a big <laughs> hockey fan here. so. Oh, no, I'm not up on uh, how the Kraken are doing. We have not stepped into that just yet, but the weather is beautiful. I can tell you that much. So. Very nice. Very nice. Oh, well, uh, like I said, big hockey fan, Canadian. Uh, I'm not a Canadians fan. I'm a Leafs fan from Toronto. Uh, yeah. So that's fair. I, I enjoy hockey. We just have not have not stepped into it just yet. So fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so uh, I always ask these two questions about uh, for all my guests when we when we kick it off, uh, just the curiosity out of my part and for my audience's part. And one of the questions is what got what first got you interested in this line of work? 
mostly my own health, which is funny. I hear a lot of that from, uh, I hear that a lot from other nutrition or health-based professionals. It's their own health that really drove them to doing research and trying to figure things out for themselves. But really, I mean, that's what it was for me. It's a life, lifetime of um, dealing with health issues that have ar- have arisen and being turned away by healthcare providers and kind of leaving with answers or a handful of pills and not really any solutions to the root causes. So as I started to do the research myself and started seeing results for that, and I also worked in the health field. So I was working in physical medicine and helping people with inflammation um, for many, many years. And so those two things combined, I think really drove the desire to like, Hey, why don't I just, why don't I do this for myself? Why don't I help people who have also been dismissed by healthcare providers or who are seeking answers like I was? Interesting. Um, interesting. Very interesting. Have there ever, have there ever been any moments where you said, you know what, enough's enough. I'm just going to give all this up. I'm just going to go to get an office job and just do some mindless work. Yeah, uh, multiple times. My my husband will tell you, I mean, countless times where I, um, where, you know, going through these health issues before I started practicing on my own. And I just would, you know, very in, in tears say like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong? <clears throat> Pardon me. What's wrong with my body? You know, I'm broken. Um, and at those points it was, it did feel like I just wanted to like, just give up, eat what I wanted, do what I wanted, you know, just kind of enjoy it. Like to me, that was enjoying life. And then when I started a practice for myself, um, it was sort of the opposite of what you're saying. I like, I live for this. I love hearing my clients talk about how they're growing in their, you know, their intuition. They can now tell what their body's trying to communicate with them. We're so grateful to now have this understanding of these really basic components that are affecting these big peripheral things. So um, in the line of work I'm in now, no, I can't say that I've experienced wanting to give up yet. Um, but before that, it was just like, I I was ready to give up for sure. There was a lot of, lot of roller coaster rides in there. It's interesting. You said something where I want to touch up on that in a little bit uh, about <laughs> intuition and understanding what it does to your body with your food. And that's, that's, it's something that I really truly believe that your food does dictate your mood. It dictates how you feel or well, obviously your mood and how it dictates whether or not you're strong or weak, but yeah. we'll, we'll get into that in just okay. a little bit. I, I just want to, I, I want to start this off by uh, a big misconception that the industry fitness fitness trainers abroad have this have this mindset that you know this nutrition this quote-unquote diet worked for me so it's got to work for everybody right yeah and i personally know because i've studied dr weston a prices and dr francis sam pottinger's work very 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 deeply and um i understand that there is no one size that fits all i want to get I want to get your perspective of how dangerous the one size fits all diets really are. Yeah, that's, um, that's really my whole platform. I, that's really how I, how I talk to people is that we, we look into their body's bio individual needs, your 
Um, you mentioned Pottinger and Dr. Price. It's, it really comes, it comes down to a generational um, eating as well, but that's kind of, I feel like that's another subject than what we're touching on here. But um, it has to be individual. Your body does not, you know, process, let's say glucose and protein the same way mine does. You, you may have different neurotransmitter production than I do. There's a lot of, there's a lot of differences between us and not because we're male and female or because we're you're Canadian and I'm American or you know like whatever the the case is whatever we're whatever your background it's because of your body's predispositions and your um and your body's experiences those all influence the way your body tolerates whatever is thrown at it and so for anyone to say only vegan is best, only keto is best, only carnivorous diets are best, only this is best, is, it's simply not true. And I think the danger really comes in with our culture of um, heavily, heavily, heavily mediatized information, heavily mediatized misinformation. Um, It's just way too easy to see these trends and get caught up in them. Because I think most of us are always trying to seek out that thing that's going to make us healthier. We're also always looking for the easy fix. We're, you know, and so it's really easy to latch on to these, this abundance of eat this way, eat this way, eat this way, eat this way. This is what's going to make you a better person, bigger, better, stronger, healthier, skinnier, whatever it is. It's really easy to latch onto those. In my mind, that's where the danger is, is the, the abundance of information about it. Um, not so much the thing in itself, the, the diets in themselves. Yes, those can be dangerous, but I think with the proper education, if we had the right abundance of information, <laughs> the abundance of correct information out there, we wouldn't be seeing this problem so much. So that's how I think on it. I think that's great. Um, and I think you're 100% correct. And on uh, the entire, um, I want to call it a war that the media is, has been pushing on to us since, well, as far as I can remember, the 80s with a whole war of zero yeah. fat diet. It's like there are really important fats that we need to be t- eating. And when I yeah. hear stuff like, like zero fat yogurt, yogurt's supposed to be fat zero 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 uh zero fat cheese like wait a second and they still exist today i mean those products are still out there they 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 do but it's it's like you have to substitute that zero fat with something and that normally that something is something really bad for you which is yeah sugar yeah or fillers gums things that have to create the same texture and feel that fat does what would your what would your advice be to somebody out there who's just confused about um you know what kind of food am i supposed to be eating when the when the tv is telling me this commercial is telling me i'm not supposed to be eating fat because it causes cardiac arrest it causes uh strokes it causes this it causes that well what would your advice be to them That's really hard to put into a small, um, a small bucket. (laughs) So many layers to that. 
I would say the simplest way for anyone to eat healthy, regardless of what the TV or the radio or the, you know, these commercials are telling you is, is choosing whole foods, choosing single ingredient foods. That's your, that is going to be the simplest way for anyone to start improving their health. That's not really feasible for a lot of people though. People who don't know how to cook, who really don't eat like fresh produce, that's, that's, that's intimidating to do. So, um, I guess I would break it down into, into macronutrients and talk about, you know, simply how each one is important for different things. Um, fats are important for our cellular health. Our body is purely just billions of cells put together and their cell wall is made of fat. We need fat and the quality of fat we take into our body dictates the health of our cells. So fats are important for that among many other things. Proteins are building blocks of neurotransmitters. They improve anxiety. They're important for muscle building. They're important for tissues. They're important for nutrient transportation throughout our body. So, you know, I guess I would kind of break it down into these or macronutrients um, that helps them to see the bigger picture of what each of these components are um, and talk about, you know, that's that's where getting the, the single um, the single ingredient food is is where you're going to see the quality of those components um, increase. Um, that's an easy, easy way to answer a very complicated and complex question. <laughs> I don't feel like I touched on it very, very well either. I'm like, that's just, there's so many layers to that. So there's a, there's a ton that's of where layers. I would start. There's a ton of layers to that. Uh, I'll be honest yeah. with you. Like when I was asking that question, like, oh boy, oh, let's see, let's see if she can do this. I don't know if you hit that one right out of the park. Good for you. All right, sweet. Um, <laughs> Glad to hear that. Yeah, it, it's so important to keep everything simple, and that's what I try to tell my clients as well. My personal training clients is one. I, I tell them to follow Dr. Pottinger's uh, advice and to eat, have a generational look at what you're eating but keep it simple like if you see yeah. if you can't understand what the ingredient is put it back on the shelf yeah um a lot of my clients actually i'll be honest with you a lot of my clients uh when we talk about nutrition you could see it brings an anxiety to them they're like oh my god what do i do what do i do and everybody just yeah. seems lost and confused because it's it's such a complicated, um, it's such a complicated and complex subject. Yeah. And we have such a deep relationship with food. I think most of us do. Whether that's a good relationship or a bad relationship, I think it's usually a deep relationship. And it's, I think that's where the anxiety probably comes in is like, even having to think about one of the things I hear most often when I do, especially with food sensitivity tests is, I'll, I'll usually ask them, are you excited to hear this information? Because they usually come in with that, like, oh, shit, what's going to, like, what's this going to be like? And and what they say is, I just don't want you to tell me I have to give up foods that I really love. <laughs> I hear it, like, 80% of the time. It I, People are afraid that they're going to be told that they can't eat something that they love. How would you present it to them? 
because we, you and I both know that there are foods like potato chips. I love potato chips. I love my ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't see myself ever giving up potato chips and ice cream. I just don't see yeah. it. But how do you present it to somebody who is, is in that position? I, if it's someone I'm working with one-on-one, -on -one, we have a pretty close relationship. We've gotten to know each other pretty well at that point. Um, so typically speaking, what we're talking about is um, they've been educated on what happens when they eat these foods, if their body is adverse to them in the first place. Um, you know, if they have like insulin resistance or they're dealing with like weight gain or hormonal issues, then yeah, potato chips and carbohydrate and like any kind of carbohydrates are not your friend, or at least the quality of them can be really extra challenging. Um, so in those cases, you know, I usually will tell them like, you have the education here, you know what happens when you eat these foods, but I'm a big advocate for feeding your soul. I love food. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because I get to cook a whole feast and I get to share it with people that I love. And to me, that like, that really gets me going. I just really enjoy food. Um, and so I, you know, I feed my soul often, probably once or twice a week, I feed my soul. And that's when I have like, I, I eat, you know, like a bowl of ramen noodles or, or some potato chips or some ice cream or whatever that, you know, those, those, like we call them bad foods, but I enjoy them. They, they do something for me that I believe is healthy, but I'm able to enjoy them in small doses and understand the impact that they're going to have while eating a generally healthy diet most of the rest of the time. Your body can, supporting your body's systems in a way long-term that can tolerate when you eat a bag of potato chips, when you eat um, a couple scoops of ice cream. That's the goal is, it's not that we never can eat these things. It's about supporting our body's health overall long term so that it when we can enjoy those things without feeling these negative consequences of it you brought up an interesting talking point um i'm actually greek by descent my heritage comes comes from greece mm -hmm. and it's greece is my favorite country in the in the whole world uh, when it comes down to like food especially something like food it's not something mm -hmm. it's so different from the north american mentality um it's more of a communal uh get together people we we sit down with the entire family friends family cousins distant cousins we all sit down and we all have a meal we don't do it all the time we don't have have thanksgiving but like major holidays and we have a lot of them because we're greek and we like to party <laughs> but we all sit down and we all like it, it's it's different like our meals last for hours yeah and i love that you're using that kind of mentality for thanksgiving i'm canadian i was born and raised in canada uh our thanksgiving was last month i'm lucky and i'm lucky enough to celebrate thanksgiving twice because i now live in the united states yeah <laughs> but um <laughs> do you think that that's something that we're missing more often here in north america 
A hundred percent. I will tell you every single client, I can't even think of a single one that this has not been a factor in helping them is talking about the way that they eat. It's about sitting down with your food, smelling your food, preparing your food, even shopping for your food, but being seated at a table while you eat that food is the number one thing that anybody can do to improve their digestive health. Um, your body has essentially two different, um, what are called autonomic nervous system modes. You have parasympathetic, which is, you know, we know it as rest and digest, and you have sympathetic, which is fight or flight. Um, when we are eating on the go in the car while we're feeding the rest of our family, um, whatever that looks like, we're in this sympathetic mode. Our body is literally in an emergency state. Our brain is going, we need to stop flow of blood to digestive tract. We need to stop digestive juices from flowing, from stomach acid from being produced. And we need to increase um, blood flow to the heart and to the lungs and to the muscles because we're sensing stress. And we're sensing that you need to flee an avalanche, essentially. That's how our, our body's responding the same way to that type of stress as it would in what we would actually consider like an emergency situation. And so when we're missing that communal component of food, it doesn't always have to be with someone, but seated, relaxed, screens are off. You could be reading like a nice relaxing book anything to get you in this like relaxed mode where you are actually like connecting with your food and enjoying your food, that's going to be the number one thing that anyone can do to, to improve that system. I totally agree with you. Um, I'll never forget um, when I was, I was in Greece last summer and um, I was with, I spent most of it with my family kind of anyways. <laughs> Was in, I mean, in, you were in Greece. <laughs> well, well, yes, yeah, that family, I spent a little bit less time, but uh, I went with my mom and my gotcha. dad and my aunt. And um, there was this one picture of me sitting and it was just, it was just this picturesque, it was just picturesque. Like, if it wasn't for the company that I had, it would have been perfect. Like I had, you had mountains and, and uh, houses on the mountain on one side, you had the sea behind me. I was just just relaxing on on one of the chairs yeah. and the sea's like right behind me and it felt perfect and there was no rush now yeah. i've noticed that when i came back here even when i was here in us or canada i would be always my, my face in the food and just scarfing it up quickly what are some tips that you could point to uh well tell people to just slow down even if you don't like the company that you're with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it doesn't have to be about the company, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just having that connection with your food, having them take a few moments to even just smell their food and enjoy the smells coming out of it, if they can help prepare the food, because that in itself starts to sort of connect you with I'm about, you're telling your brain, I'm about to eat. Um, it gets you to slow down and kind of appreciate where that food is coming from. Now, that's not always the case when we're ordering takeout or, you know, so we're not the ones preparing the meal. But 
if that's possible, I will tell them to be part of that process, get their kids involved in that process and just be seated at the table. Take a few breaths in of the food, look at your food, maybe even poke around at it at first to kind of explore it. It may not look to anybody else like you're doing anything, but what your body is actually doing is preparing to digest that food. Um, so that'll that'll start this breathing process. This We're switching over into the parasympathetic uh, nervous system and we're preparing our body to to take in that food and actually break it down properly. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I remember when I was in Athens, I, I was doing that a little bit, like uh, another beautiful, beautiful, beautiful restaurant with vine trees over uh, vine brand, uh, grapevines over on top of me as a canopy. Oh, cool. I, I was like, this is beautiful. Yeah. And um, I was doing exactly that when the food came. I was like, oh, my God, this looks so good. Yeah. Well, and imagine, I mean, I imagine the food that you're eating in Greece, even though you're Greek and I'm guessing you probably cook Greek food at home sometimes, but like, that's not all you eat. So when you're in a new country, like a different country, I think that's like that in itself. I mean, we've traveled to Japan a few times and we like everything I eat there. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we, what are we actually looking at here? You know, it's like exploring your food. So that's kind of exciting. I mean, not everyone gets to travel all the time and, and get to experience that, but yeah, it's, it's the same idea as like exploring your food and really, and chewing your food, chewing your food is very underrated. That's another part of uh, that. I would suggest for slowing down is we don't chew our food enough. When I really enjoy food, I will like eat my meal and I'll tell my husband, I'll be like, I don't, I don't really think I chewed my food. I just like inhaled it. <laughs> um, so I get that and I get what it's like to, you know, be rushed and things like that. But if we can like chew our food until it actually becomes liquid in our mouth, that would be another way to get you to just, you're going, you're going to sit down for at least half an hour with your meal and you're going to be doing exactly what's best for your body in that sense. And this is a good little transition into something that you brought in at the beginning, which I want to touch up on now, intuition and nutrition. So having that mind-body experience with something physical and something as normal as, as essential as food, these, these really great points that you're bringing up, what are, are, what are some of the things that, um, let me rephrase that question. I know that there are certain foods that make you stronger. I know there are certain foods that make you weaker. Our bodies have this um, innate ability to predetermine what that food is going to do to us. Do you believe in that? And how do you show people how to explore that? I would like to know a little bit more about what you mean by foods that make us stronger and foods that make us weaker. Um, could you clarify that for me? Sure. There's foods that will give us energy and there's foods that will drain our energy. So gotcha. um, I call them live foods and dead foods. Okay. Pretty so much you're do. talking about maybe like, um, like a whole food versus maybe like a refined food. Am yeah. I hearing that? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you're asking what, 
is there is is there a way that you sh- that you help people find um help them understand that at the grocery store because I have my way. It's a fun way, but you have to be very <laughs> comfortable doing it. I I want to hear your way. Um the resources that I t- I will offer people, I, first of all I offer uh an online workshop that um people have really been digging. It's called a kitchen detox workshop and it tells you it teaches you how to read the marketing labels because we buy foods off the shelf because they sound really healthy. We see this box that says gluten-free, plant-based, low fat. It's like all the things. Uh, my husband will joke. We've had this joke our, our entire relationship. We've been together over 20 years. And when we first met, he would eat on a daily basis, this cereal that was called Coco Dino Bites. And it's exactly what it sounds. It's just cocoa rice krispies is what it is. And on the box or the bag, it says um, eleven essential vitamins and minerals or something to that effect. And so he will joke to this day, and especially as I've begun to get in the field of nutrition, that he's getting his vitamins and minerals because <laughs> because the box says that it contains vitamins, essential vitamins and minerals. But that aside, we buy things because they sound healthy. We know that Cocoa Dino Bites are not a health food. Can we all like please agree that we understand (laughs) at least that much? Um, So I guess the resource where, where I'm going with this is the resource I think would be first of all under like helping them to understand that because a food label makes it sound healthy, doesn't necessarily mean that it is. And I think it would still come back to um, being intentional about buying whole foods versus anything that comes in a package. But when that's not possible, there's a few rules that you can follow that, you know, are like, if you can't pronounce it, don't buy it. If it has anything to do with any kind of color, don't buy it. Uh, if it says the word color or if it has the name of a color, um, if it has more than like four syllables, if an ingredient has more than four syllables, don't buy that. <laughs> um, you know, there's a few simple and I can't think of all of them off the top of my head, but those those are typically indicative of something that has an acronym. An acronym is usually going to be a scientific term for a, a man-made chemical. Um, you know, there's things like that that I would teach them to um, to look for when they are looking at packaged foods. Look for foods, look for ingredients that you recognize as as being a whole food in in the package that you're looking at. Don't pay attention to the front of the box, the thing that says heart healthy, the thing that says gluten free, the the things that are marketing tools. Look at the information on the nutrition label that tells what the ingredients are. I laughed for uh, an int- for another reason. It's not. I-, I love what you just said. I think it's. I think it's spot on. But the four syllable things. It's like I'm Greek, so we have, <laughs> we have a we have words that are like five six syllables long. <laughs> so yeah. it's just it's 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 quite funny for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> my thing is just simple. I tell people buy any if you go walk into any major super. Um, supermarket buy anything on the outside walls ignore everything in the middle yeah 
That's and, a good way to do it too. Yeah. And if you really want to stand out in the crowd and you really want to pull, uh, pull attention to yourself, grab a, grab, grab a food in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the store, put it to your chest and ask somebody to pull your arm down. What? <laughs> what? So grab the food, a, put it to your chest. Yeah. Because you're muscle testing the energy of the food. Gotcha. Right? So I'm you're not as familiar with muscle testing. I see oh. what you're doing. Okay, got it. <laughs> so you take the yep. food, you put it on your in the center of your body. You want to call it the center chakra or whatever. I don't care. And then you yeah. put your arm out and you ask somebody, can you test me to see if this food is good? And if they push <laughs> down on your arm and the arm goes down, that food is no good. So you put it back. If you go to, Interesting. The, if you go to the outside and you put one of those foods, it will make you strong. I want to know what your success rate is in getting people to do that for you. Not, it's not high. People look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's great but though. I love it's, that. It's just, it's, it's a fun thing to do. And for a highly introverted person like myself, um, it's a very hard thing to do. I like doing hard yeah. things to uh, put, put myself in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. <laughs> Exercise. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about a very interesting topic that you actually help people with the PCOS. What is PCOS? PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, so it's only going to be found in female bodied people. Um, it's something that I have had in the past. I haven't been tested for it recently. Um, although I'd be curious to see if they would still diagnose me because I've resolved a lot of my symptoms, which is one of the reasons I really love helping people who have PCOS. Um, what it is, is um, for those who just want a basic rundown of um, female health is when is our cycle. So when we ovulate, the egg is supposed to basically push through the wall of the ovary and that's how it gets released into the uterus. When you have polycystic ovarian syndrome, that egg can't quite make that push all the way through. It's usually because it doesn't have enough um, estrogen or progesterone to push, push it out. And so what happens is it gets stuck in the wall of the ovary and becomes a cyst. It'll eventually heal, but over time you end up with more and more cysts on your ovaries, which makes it even harder for you to release an egg and actually successfully ovulate. So especially for female bodies, people who are trying to conceive a child, this can be really, um, really difficult. There is a predisposition with people who have PCOS to have things like insulin resistance, um, gut health issues, a lot of hormonal stuff. Um, that's going on, which is why I'm able to help them nutritionally um, and resolve a lot of their symptoms. So I have actually a friend back home and a family member back home that actually does have this, or I think they have this. And um, I know my cousin is having a hard time having a second child. She was blessed with the first one and she's trying to have a second one. She's my cousin by marriage. My cousin, my, my guy cousin married her. And um, how can a guy be able to support some of this, you know, his loved one 
to when they're trying to go through something like this, because this is devastating for a woman and it could be devastating for a guy as well. Like, it's like, how would you help them? Um, you're asking how the, the male partner in that situation yeah. would be supportive of the female going yeah. through this. Um, that's a really great question. Um, because that, that was exactly my husband's and my story. We, we tried to conceive for many, many years and basically we're, we had, you know, we had ultrasounds and we tried medications to help me ovulate and we tried all these things. And in the end, we were basically just told it sucks to be you unless you have thousands of dollars to spend on fertility treatments. That's all we 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 left there just going, what? And we were heartbroken for years and years and years. So number one, I understand that heartache. And so this is a really great question. I don't think it's something that I've really thought about before, but I would say something that was really helpful that my husband would do is, um, I mean, after the whole fact, now we don't even want children. We're, we're happy without children. Although I'm convinced I could probably conceive with no problems now, which is fantastic. But he's very supportive of helping me look into the answers. I think I usually drive it. I'm usually the one going, but why? And so I'm usually kind of driving like, but why, but why? And like trying to find all these different pathways. I think that something that the partner could do in that situation is help research if they, you know, latch onto like a keyword or something that the, or a topic that the, the partner is um, expressing that they might be um, confused about or um, curious that if it might be a factor, start doing your own Google research, like start helping her find the answers, start helping her find a doctor who does specialize in it, someone who does, um, yeah, who does have the answers, who does help people with this all the time, who can actually provide some sort of education around it even. Um, I don't know if that really answers your question because there's, I think as the partner, I, I can tell you my husband felt very helpless. He was heartbroken that we couldn't have children but I was the one carrying the brunt of it because it was my body. I was also dealing with the fact that my body was broken or that's what it felt like to me. So well, that's another misconception that I actually, you interestingly brought up. Um, everybody's body's broken in one way or another. Yeah. Right. I think it's, it's easy to feel, but I no longer feel that way. I no longer, I've reached a point where I no longer, I'm like, I'm broken. What's wrong with me? I'm more intuitive now and I can address these little things. But at that time, I, I think you're right. I think everyone's kind of, because we all have our own individual body experiences. But at that time, I just, I felt fully broken. I can understand. I can understand that. Is there, did you come across a, a holistic way of, of uh, a holistic solution possibly you you say now that you feel that you can carry children i don't doubt that not for a single bit but uh do you do you feel like you've come across something that could help yeah um absolutely and it it is going to come down to an individual basis again so pcos doesn't look the same for everyone some females can ovulate when they have pcos some have higher levels of androgens. So like more 
like testosterone type hormones. Um, some have very low estrogen. Some of them have normal estrogen, but don't have enough progesterone. You know, there's all these different imbalances that can still all be under the umbrella of PCOS. So it really does depend on the individual. But the first thing that I would probably look at with anyone would be um, their gut health. So getting um, probably like a stool analysis or what's called an organic acid test to look into um, because they have a predisposition to insulin resistance. A lot of times you're going to find that these people are hungry all the time and they're constantly eating. And that tends to feed a problem called um, like bacterial over overgrowth in the gut. And that's going to affect all of their other hormones. So I would say that's the first place I would even start is I want to look, I want to get the data from their gut, what is happening in there um, and start addressing that first. And from there, we can talk about how to start to recover from insulin resistance, um, how we can support the liver to um, your liver is responsible for getting rid of excess hormones and keeping things in balance. So if your liver is struggling, you can't, you can't do that. And so I would say those are probably my first three steps is like gut health, uh, insulin resistance factors and liver. And really they're kind of all tied together. You said, so you said something, uh, the, you know, constantly eating, I'm thinking about yeah. teenage, <laughs> teenage boys. They're like, like baby raptors. They just, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, and they're going, these people are going like, I, I'm hungry all the time. So I always have to eat. And if I don't eat, I feel sick. That's what people with PCOS are probably likely to tell me. Um, and so they're eating all the time. They're trying to listen to their body, but what they're doing is making the problem worse and still just feeling miserable, not able to lose weight, you know? So, so that can actually lead somebody into a really really bad spiral of depression. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, I, I could see how that could, how, how that could go. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really that, like I said, this is devastating for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking. I've seen it in my own family and I know, I know what you, I don't know what you've been through, but I can sympathize. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's nice to know that. Cause I think a lot of people, they hear that sort of thing or, you know, being that person, it was in my twenties when we were trying to conceive. And at that point we had a lot of friends who were all getting married and having kids. And so trying to also be happy for them was like, Oh, great. Another one of my friends got pregnant. I can't do that. <laughs> you know, and it just becomes, like you said, it, it is definitely a downward spiral to depression, not to mention, here's a, an effect I haven't even talked about is many, many PCOS sufferers have acne, um, which I had for most of my teen, teen years into my 20s. And it wasn't until I started like improving my gut health. I, I mean, I have clear skin now. Um, actually, same with my husband. He's we worked on his gut over the last couple of years. He's I mean, he's in his 40s and he had cystic acne up until that point, until we started improving his gut health. That's when we, that's when we cleared his skin. So that's, um, 
That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's really awesome. And, um, I'm, I'm a true believer, true believer in all that. Like it, I really am. Like when it comes to food, it's, uh, it, it, it is, it is that important, especially when it comes, especially gut health. Um, I'm have, I think I have IBIS. Um, uh, I did a, um, a, a scan here and I'm fine, but just doesn't feel right. Anyways, enough about me. This is about you. <laughs> I'll ask you about that afterwards. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, another topic that I actually want to talk about, which is really, really interesting. And you made mention of this in earlier in the show, which is, the importance of feeding your soul. What do you mean by that? Because soul food here in the South is really tasty. It's really bad yeah. for you. And that's why we call it soul food, right? Because it just, it just gets you, you know, it gets you right here. It feels really good. It tastes really good. It's usually enjoyed with people that you care about. Um, there's a lot to enjoy about it. That's just a term that I came up for it with, you know, for, and I think it probably was inspired by, you know, soul food. Um, I think working in nutrition, there's a lot of uh, misconception about this food's good, this food's bad, et cetera, et cetera. And like I said, it's really, it's all about like understanding your body's individual needs. So we work to assess your body's unique individual needs. We call that bio-individuality educating you on what's happening there and letting you then you take the reins like we talk about what you can do to change those things and a lot of times that does require um you know staying away from these kinds of foods if we recognize especially like a food sensitivity um but also coming back into balance of things like listening to when your body is hungry um understanding what happens when we are snacking all the time but also understanding that maybe there's like the last couple of days my husband and I both have just been like really hungry like way more hungry than usual both of us are going like just like super hungry like what's for more dinner tonight you know we're both sometimes that happens and there's nothing wrong with that if I were on a rigid diet what I would have done was been like nope I had my portion of xyz and that's all I get when my body was going you're, you need more food. And so I went, I had more food last night. Um, so to your point, feeding your soul is, I think it's a process to, and it, there's a fine line, you know, with people who have disordered eating behaviors, I would probably approach that phrasing a little bit differently. Um, because there's a little bit more of a psychological connection with that, um, choice to eat a food that maybe isn't the best for you or a choice to avoid that food but I'm giving you a very long-winded answer here I don't have a straightforward answer to that I can tell you that throughout my my health problems um through my life one of the big ones uh that I would get and I still get and I'm still trying to figure out because they're such a mystery is migraines um and migraines can have the ability to just shut me down for a day. And when I have a migraine, I will tell you the last thing I want to do is eat fresh produce and quality proteins. What I want is a bowl of macaroni and cheese or what I want what I want is a bowl of ramen noodles. I do not want the fresh delicious food that's in my fridge that I love 
it's but it's not going to feed my soul so in that moment the macaroni and cheese does not help to heal my migraine but it makes me feel really good it makes it something that I can sit and enjoy and be comfortable with um that's how I define it for myself like I said I would be careful with who who I use that terminology with uh, and who I would even encourage it for, depending on what their what their eating behaviors are like. I was smiling because I'm like the only person on the face of the earth that can't eat mac and cheese. For real? Was, for real. <laughs> I'm there's sorry. no, there's no, no way. I don't care how gourmet it is. There's no way I'm eating it. What is it about macaroni and cheese that you can't do? Um, when I was a child, my mom gave uh, my mom growing up in a I wouldn't say poverty, but it was the below the below the we struggled for money. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dad working two jobs. My mom had to get another job. I we as a 10-year-old kid, I would babysit my sister, kind of thing. So it was, it was, it was a rough, it was a rough childhood that way. And um my mom never always had food for us. So she would, you know, quickly whip up some mac and cheese. And I'll never forget this. I took one bite of it i was what nine years old i took one bite i ran straight to the bathroom and i just hurled the whole thing the the entire bite that went into my stomach just came right back out the same way after that day i don't care how gourmet it is i am never touching mac and cheese yep a neurolimbic response to macaroni and cheese That's fair. I probably wouldn't touch macaroni and cheese. My relationship to macaroni and cheese is a lot more positive than yours. So I do. I love macaroni and cheese. I will eat it from a box. I will eat it gourmet. I will eat it all of the different ways. <laughs> and all the power to you and all the people that out there l- l- love mac and cheese, all the power to you, but no, thank you. <laughs> Not I, you. That you can have <laughs> Not it for John. all. You can have okay. my share as well. <laughs> Uh, do you place do you place limits on, you know, people? I call this cheating. You're calling it soul food. It's kind of the same thing. Do you place limits on people and how much they should enjoy their soul food? I don't. Um, with my clients, I really encourage a sense of um, of autonomy. You know, they they have the tools and the education and um to make those decisions but they're they're grown adults and they have the ability to choose that for themselves they understand um that they're going to get out of the program what they put into it so they they make that decision for themselves i've never had anyone ask me to put limits on it or even ask me how much they should or shouldn't eat um i have one client currently who will actually text me she texted me a few days ago And she texted me this like bread bowl full of some kind of like clam chowder or something. And we, you know, in Washington, we, we love our clams here. I can't handle clams. No, thank you. But clam chowder is a big thing out here. And she texted me this bowl of clam chowder. I was like, Hey, get it girl. Like that's, (laughs) if that feels good to you right now, do it. Like enjoy that food, chew it up, chew it well, enjoy who you're with, (laughs) you know, there's there's nothing wrong with um with eating that food. I think I think as you start to grow in your intuition, you will start to recognize how much is too much for your body. And that's the goal is like 
supporting you in growing that intuition. Like you'll start to recognize like, so she ate that bread bowl. Guess how she felt the next day? She felt bloated. She felt puffy. She felt a little bit more, a little sick. She felt good when she was eating it. And that's the feeding your soul part. But I think she knew, um, she knew there would be consequences to it. So it's like here you eat the the two the the extra spicy uh burrito it's like you're gonna suffer the consequences you're that gonna night. suffer yeah <laughs> yeah uh we're coming close to the end of the show and uh i'd love to continue this conversation but uh we're coming close to the end of the show and these are the seven or eight questions i ask all my guests i just like to get your perspective on these seven or eight topics okay with the increase in people suffering from depression from the constant uncertainty that we've been living through the last two to three years, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Something that I often tell myself and to my clients is keep showing up. It's even if you show up and nothing gets done, showing up is the most important thing you can do. What's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? I think that ties in with the keep showing up. I, I often find myself telling myself, like giving myself permission to, um, to be who I need to be that day. And that looks going to look different than maybe yesterday or tomorrow, but giving myself permission for that. Um, I would say another thing that helps me to keep pressing forward is I think I'm like a lot of people in that I will kind of kick myself for not getting something accomplished if it's on my list to do or, uh, you know, I tend to be really hard on myself as far as that goes. So the way I've found to keep myself not only accountable, but feeling, I guess, productive and successful is rather than giving, yes, I have a task list. But rather than like scheduling everything out, I categorize things. So uh, what my calendar looks like is Monday is administrative, Tuesday is study, Wednesday is content creation, you know, things like that. I categorize things that way. Yes, I have these like tasks that I'm working on during that time. But if I don't get one or two of them done, if I did everything that day, if everything I did that day was content creation or was studying or was this, that helps me feel that level of success or productivity. And that helps drive me forward. Whereas if I feel like I'm constantly failing myself, um, it's really easy to just get paralyzed and just stop altogether. 100%. 100%. Yeah. If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> um, someone told me one time that relationships are, um, relationships are not always 50-50. Sometimes they're 100-0. I think at that point in my life, I would tell myself to allow... I guess, to give myself permission to allow someone else to be the hundred and me to be the zero. I think I, I was very proud of the fact that I was very independent and strong and did all like an abundance of things 
And then, you know, in my late thirties, I hit massive burnout, but I survived for 30 something years while doing that. And it was only then that I really realized that it was actually okay to let someone else take the hundred and I could be zero for a minute, or I could be 20. I didn't have to be 50, 50. So I think I would tell myself to give myself permission to, to be zero sometimes. Good advice. Uh, <laughs> looking back, would you change anything? Maybe it sounds really cliche to say this, but everything that's happened in my life has made me who I am today. So I can't really, there's a lot of like dumb things that I can think of that I've said to people that like my brain tends to go back to like, what, why did you, I will probably leave this podcast recording and be like, why did I say this this way? Um, but to actually change the way things played out, I can't say that there's any, any real like tangible thing that I would change the way it went because right now I am who I am and I love who I am right now. So it all got me here. What scares you? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I'm probably one of the most like cautious and scared people you will ever meet. I, I think at the heart, if we're talking on it like a, a deep emotional level, I would say I am, I feel like a constant pattern for me is I'm terrified that people will think not just that they'll misunderstand me, but they'll misunderstand me in a way that's like that I look stupid or I sound stupid or I look like I don't know what I'm talking about. I think it's the fear that people think I am not what I need to be in that moment. Where do you see Well Roots living in the next five years? Um, I really, I'm loving working with people one-on-one. -on -one. So, I mean, I would actually love to continue down this path, but what I would like to see the impact that it has on my community is just the change in, in uh, conversation. I love to start hearing people talk less about I tried this diet or that diet or what have you I tried this workout routine trend and more hearing more in conversations about how my body was doing this and so I sought out this uh, more intuitive conversations I'm hoping that we have that impact on the community how about you personally where do you see yourself in the next five years um, I am, have spent the last few years, um, really exploring like who, who I am in relationship with other people, like how, how I impact other people in relationship. As I approached my forties, I recognized that I was actually like losing a lot of friends rather than having this abundance of friends all the time. <laughs> and it's, and it's because I think I was choosing like I was recognizing, like, I don't want to be around people who make me feel unsafe, who are not honest with me, who will only, you know, hang out with me if they have nothing better to do. That doesn't feel good to me. And so I think I started dropping people off, but now I don't really have very many friends. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure that out. But it also makes me wonder who I am to other people. Am I 
do I make other people feel safe and welcome? And, um, and so I think I'd like to, over the next few years, I'd really like to explore that more about myself, how, how I make others feel in relationship. Where can people find more about you? Primarily my website. I'm not really on social networking. Um, so they can go to my website and they can book a free consult with me right there. I also offer a, um, a free assessment that they can just take online as well. So if they just go to hillarybeckwith.com, they'll, um, they can click on take a free assessment and I will give them personalized recommendations. It's actually pretty cool, pretty in-depth assessment. So my website, that's the primary way they can get in touch with me. Awesome. And we will post the link to your website in the show notes. So everybody has easy access to you and your website and your amazing practice. Cool. Any final thoughts? No, this was really great. I love who you're speaking to and I love the work that you're doing here. So I was really grateful to be part of that. Thank you. It was, uh, it was an honor to have you here and, uh, on the show and, um, it's, it's, I really love the work that you're doing, especially when it comes to personalized nutrition. Um, and, uh, you know, taking that and finding solutions to people's problems and supporting people that have issues with PC, PCOS and, uh, you know, really coming out and talking about it because all this stuff, it always, for me, everything has to do with what goes in our mouth and for, yeah. For, for you to come out and um, to be a part of that, it's, it's huge. And the way that you're doing it is, is also huge. And I highly suggest people going to your website and getting that free assessment. Um, you got nothing to lose. I mean, a free assessment's a free assessment, right? I mean. For sure. Yeah. So. And that's why on. I offer it. <laughs> that's awesome. I want people to experience that. And so a big thank you for, for you for, for doing all that work. Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before, and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey, everybody. John Catavos from Resilient Reboot Productions. Uh, I want you guys to be able to access all the content that we're putting out with Resilient Reboot Productions, and we're moving it to a very special location. So I don't want you guys to miss out on the chance to become a uh, become part of the vibrant and supportive Resilient Reboot Productions community. Join us today and connect with like-minded individuals who are passionate about personal development, mindset, resilience, and growth. By becoming a member, you'll gain access to a wealth of valuable resources including exclusive content, live events, and discussion forums where you can share your thoughts and insights on the latest podcast episodes. Take action now and join our community to start your journey towards a more fulfilling and resilient life.